0: morning new vine hope you are doing well it's great to be with you our online congregation this morning as we continue to work through our sent ones series um, if we've not met before, my name's Isaac, I'm involved with a bunch of youth and young adult ministries here um, at New Vine. And as I said, this Sent 1 series, you have come in on week 3. Um, this series is based around a passage that we find in John chapter 20, 21. It should be real easy. Just think 20, 21, the book of John. Um, chapter 19, leading into this, we read of the crucifixion and the death and the burial of Jesus um, the start of chapter 20, uh, Mary goes uh, to the tomb and it is empty. Um, Jesus reveals himself to Mary. And then uh, this passage we're about to see, this verse 21, is all around uh, when Jesus reveals himself to the disciples. And he says this, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As I am sent, I am sending you. That is our passage, really, that this whole series is focused on. And whether you are someone that has followed Jesus for a long time or maybe today you are yet to make that decision, as soon as you place your trust in and commit your life to Jesus, you are sent. You are called not only to be a disciple but a disciple maker and when you accept that invitation to be a part of the body of Christ, you also accept the call to share the good news of Jesus. So what does that look like for us, being sent ones? Well, week one, Luke reminded us that we need to be willing and available. Last week, we looked at being prepared and intentional. And this morning, we are going to be looking at uh, being people who are prayerful and obedient. What does it look like to be a church uh, full of people who prayerfully seek God in His direction? But not only that, they then obediently follow His leading. Um, there's a story of a boy who wanted a new bike so he decided that he would pray about it and he was pacing around his living room thinking about how it is he could uh, ask God for a bike and he said God if you get me a new bike I will be good for the rest of my life and then he paused for a minute and he thought oh the rest of my life no God's God will never believe that so we tried again God If you give me a new bike, I'll be good for a whole year. And then again, thought, no, God will never believe that. God, if you give me a new bike, I'll be good for three weeks. Again, no, God's not going to believe that either. So he's a bit stuck, and he saw off in the corner of the room a, uh, a little statue of the Virgin Mary, and he got an idea. So he ran over, he grabbed the statue, took it upstairs to his bedroom and tucked it into his drawer. And he went back downstairs to pray again and he said, God, if you ever want to see your mother again, I'll be needing that bike. Prayer is a funny thing. And I'm sure that like me, many of you have your own unique stories when it comes to prayer. For some of us, prayer may feel like a one-way street. And if that's you this morning, I want you to know that that's okay. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. I feel like my wife, Jess, has got on speed dial, so much so that I just often pass on my prayer requests to her, and sure enough, she often gets back to me, yes, God will have you do this, He would also like you to hang the washing out a little more often, God seems to say that a lot to me, but prayer is a very personal experience, and as we talk through this topic this morning... Please don't feel like your prayer life needs to be a carbon copy of what we read, but rather uh, just invite God by His Spirit to bring about a a change and a challenge for you. Maybe there are some principles uh, that we read of in His Word around prayer that you can bring into your own life. But I want to ask you a question to start with. Uh, When it comes to prayer, I want you to think through what it is you pray for most. What do you pray for most? Think on that, and and we're going to get back to that. Um, And before we go any further, I just want to remind you that this series, Sent Once, isn't a crash course in evangelism. It isn't the 411 of discipleship. There's no homework. Uh, We're not putting out some survey to find out uh, how effective or how active you are in looking for opportunity to share the good news. However, I do want to say that if your understanding of following Jesus stops with you, if sharing Jesus or even looking for the opportunity to do so is something that, if you're honest, you don't think about, you are missing, or I would even go so far as to say you are choosing to ignore some very significant passages of Scripture and choosing to ignore some pretty significant commandments of Jesus. The good news was never meant to stop with your salvation. And now some of you may be sitting there uh, saying, hey it's Isaac, it's through grace that I am saved, not through works. The most important thing is for me to know Jesus. Yes, amen, I am with you on that. Pursue intimacy with Jesus but for me I also can't overlook passages like John 14 where Jesus himself says to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commandments. If if we read the message version of John 14, If you love me, show it by doing what I have told you. follows on to say, And I will talk to the Father, and he will provide you with another friend so that you will always have someone with you. Obey me, and I will gift you the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus loves you. He extends his grace towards you and he wants to know you, but he also wants you to obey him. Do what I ask. And for you and I, one of those commandments is sharing the good news of Jesus. Not long ago, I was listening to a sermon from a pastor down in Sydney who said, For some reason, the Church of the West has come to believe that if we just worship Jesus enough we won't actually have to do what he asks. So where does all of this tie into prayer? Being people of prayer and obedience. Well if you've got your Bibles today we're going to be reading uh, from a passage in Colossians chapter 4. Paul is writing to the church of Colossae from a prison cell. Um, He has never met this church and he is writing to encourage them to continue to pursue a devotion to Jesus. Um, the church in Corse was sort of um, in the middle of this cultural split. On one side, uh, uh, their culture believed that Jesus was just another God to be bundled in with the Greek and Roman gods believed in at the time. Um, And then the other side of the scale were the devout Jews who believed that these new believers in the church in Colossians uh, weren't truly saved until they started uh, to obey and observe the law of the Torah, laws around food and Sabbath and circumcision. So this church was sort of stuck in no man's land, rejected by their old culture, but not fully embraced by their new family of Christ. So um, this church isn't just trying to figure out how it is they see the gospel go forward. Paul is writing to a lot of the people in this church to just encourage them to follow Jesus for another day. And Paul writes this, Paul is writing this to a people caught in the middle of cultural extremes. And maybe this morning you feel a little caught in the middle. Maybe you feel disconnected from a culture that has distanced itself from God. A culture known for its pursuits of wealth and power, pursuits of perceived success. For people my age maybe you feel like an alien Uh, not wanting to throw yourself into a scene flooded with partying and sleeping around and drinking. But maybe all at once, like me, you feel a little dissatisfied with the evidence of the Holy Spirit being at work through you. Maybe you read the, the book of Acts and that just feels foreign to you. Maybe you're not able to identify with those like my wife Jess, who seem to have a direct line with God. Maybe uh, the likes of Deb Rowe, who seems to lead someone to Christ every week through a crazy series of events. Maybe someone like Dave Mack, who prays for healing and people are healed. Maybe that feels foreign for you and you feel a little in the middle. Well, I want you to imagine that Paul is writing this to you. And he says this, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. If you desire to see people free from sickness, devote yourself to prayer. If you desire to see people come to faith, devote yourself to prayer. If you desire to experience the Holy Spirit in your own life, devote yourself to prayer. If you desperately want to see those you love come to know Christ, devote yourself to prayer. Is what Paul would say. So, back to the question I asked you earlier, what do you pray for most? I want to know were you able to come up with an answer? And I imagine some pretty common answers for us would be things like family, health, finance. And I think that we pray, what we pray for reflects what is important to us. I'm not saying that family and health and finance shouldn't be prayed for by any means. But my hunch is that if we ask Jesus this question, his answer would be very different. I imagine Jesus' answer would be something like, I pray most that people would be saved, that people would be healed, that people would be set free. See, Jesus lived in a temporal world, but with an eternal perspective. And his prayer life reflected that. And I want to ask you this morning, if you look at your own life, do you pray with an eternal perspective? Um, A few years ago, I had the privilege of spending some time with a man named Oscar Murai. Uh, Oscar is the pastor of a church in Nairobi that has grown to be a church network of 100 churches with over 30,000 weekly attenders. Um, And how they ended up there is a simple yet powerful story. Oscar uh, came to faith as a young man. Uh, He then shot off to Bible College. He saw through a Bible College degree and at the end of that was ready to conquer the world. So he was applying for pastoral roles in any church that might have him and kept getting turned away, turned away, turned away until finally he landed uh, the role of a senior pastor at a little church on the outskirts of town with only a few people in it. Uh, Oscar himself said that looking back on it, he's pretty sure that they sent him there because that church was slowly dying and they thought that he may just speed the process up. He said that on his first day of work, he rolled into the church office and thought, what does a pastor do? What, what do I do? He thought, sermon. I need to write a sermon. So he sat down and he wrote his first sermon for this church. And then after that was again drawing a blank. Well, what do I do now? He said he had no idea, so he thought, well, maybe I'll just pray. So Oscar headed into his office and he prayed. He prayed for the church. He prayed that God would radically transform and grow this church. And he prayed that prayer pretty much non-stop. And wouldn't you know it, God showed up. People began to be healed. People were coming to faith. People were leading others to faith. A prayer meeting developed that pretty soon was way bigger than the church itself was. And this church kept growing and growing and growing. And Oscar summed up this roller coaster ride of their church by saying... We didn't really know what to do, so we prayed and it worked. Devote yourself to prayer, is what the Apostle Paul would say. Devote yourself to prayer and allow God to lead and do the rest. When I was preparing this message, I kept thinking back to Matthew chapter 6 where we read of the Lord's Prayer. We see the disciples ask Jesus how they should pray. And in chapter 6 verse 9, Jesus says this, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Notice here how Jesus teaches us to first pray with a kingdom mindset. The first thing he teaches his disciples to pray for is, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That is a prayer with eternal value. Paul knew that it was through the work of Christ and Christ alone that salvation is found. Salvation is a supernatural process. So Paul prayed to the God of the supernatural and calls us to do the same. So I want to challenge you. That if you want to be a part of seeing people come to know jesus and i really hope that you do if you don't i would really encourage you to read through the gospels and maybe think through why it is you don't have that desire but if you desire to see people come to know jesus devote yourself to prayer and when you think you've prayed enough keep praying and when you see those prayers answered pray some more. In verse 3 of this passage, Paul says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Pray for open doors, that God would lead you into situations where there is opportunity to share Jesus. But like Paul, we need to be willing to be sent and available when God sends us. Verse 5 and 6, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So don't just look for opportunity, but be ready when opportunity arises. In essence, Paul is calling us to be prepared and intentional. Be ready when the opportunity arises. Be ready to share your story of salvation. Be ready to open God's word with someone. Be prepared and ready to lead someone to Christ. To pray with them a prayer of repentance. To pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Paul says, be ready for those things. As we wrap up this morning, I do want to read you just one more passage that again speaks into the sharing of Of the gospel we find it in Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 to 38 if you have your Bible turn with me Jesus has been traveling around town to town with his disciples praying for people they're seeing them healed delivering people teaching for teaching crowds to crowds and then we read this when he Jesus saw the crowd he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest was plentiful 2,000 years ago, and it is still plentiful today. We can look around and and trick ourselves into thinking that's not true, but the harvest is plentiful today. On that same week a few years back, as I spent time time with Oscar, over lunch he said something to me that in a way saddened my spirit. He, He mentioned this verse and he said, In Africa we know the harvest is plentiful, so we pray for more workers. It seems that here in Australia, all your workers seem to think there is no harvest. So you pray for the harvest. In essence, what Oscar was saying was that you're praying God would provide something that is already there. You're just choosing not to see it. And in some ways, you're saying it is easier for us to pray that God would provide a harvest than it is for us to actually work. The harvest, harvest. And then uh, he said with a smile on his face from ear to ear, my friend, the harvest is and always has been ripe for the picking. The harvest is ready. Today, this message is just as much for me as anyone that is listening. Um, three, weeks, three weeks ago, I had the great privilege of uh, praying with someone here at New Vine, Uh, in our evening service as they made the decision to commit their life to Jesus, which was so exciting for me, but all at once a little confronting. I realized that outside of our Friday night youth group, um, I love our youth group, I'm just not including them in this count because it's, uh, it's a regular occurrence, an opportunity to pray for our youth as they commit their lives to Jesus. But outside of that Friday night setting, This was the first person that I had been a part of bringing to the Lord in about two years. Two years. I work at a church three days a week, and that was the first person in two years. If someone wants to follow Jesus, they can literally walk through these doors and ask me to pray with them. I was confronted by the thought that at the moment, I am averaging half a person a year. That I have the honour of seeing and being a part of their journey as they commit their life to Jesus. And don't get me wrong, that is worth celebrating. But if I make it to 90 years old, that means I will only see another 31 and a half people commit their life to Jesus. And I'm not sure about you, but I would love to see that number climb in my own life. I'm not sure when the last time was or if ever you have had the opportunity of being a part of someone committing their life to Jesus but it is exciting. It is an amazing experience and opportunity to be a part of and my hope is that you would love to see and be a part of it a whole lot more than you are currently. So this morning, if that is you, if you have a desire to see people come to know Jesus by the power of His Spirit being at work through you, I know you're at home and this might be a funny thing, but I just want to invite you to stand. But in doing so, I want you to know that you are also committing to devoting yourself to prayer. That as you put your hand up saying, God, use me to see people come to know you, you need to commit to praying for that opportunity, to go looking for it, being intentional and prepared when it arises. But committing to pray for people you already know and those that you don't, but have a desire that they would meet Christ. Maybe this morning uh, you are listening and have never experienced a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have never experienced the grace and the love that he freely gives to you. Well, if that is you and you would like to commit your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to stand as well. And know that as a church, we are celebrating with you this morning in the decision you have made. Um, If that is you, there is a button on the screen that just says, I commit my life to Jesus and the opportunity for someone to pray with you. But as we wrap up, I just want to pray that God would lead us to the people we need to be sent to. Pray that God would put in us his heart for the lost. And pray believing that we will hear great stories of salvation in the weeks and months and years come well father we thank you that you are the God of the harvest we thank you that the harvest is plentiful and when we choose to follow you you sign us up as workers God we apologize for the times that we have not taken that calling serious God we apologize for the times that our worry or insecurity Or maybe even apathy has caused us to really be selfish with the gift of salvation God we want to be people who pursue you God that chase after you and your heart for the lost God birth within us a desire to see the lost found to see broken lives restored to see people healed to see relationships mended but ultimately God that people would find life you. God, we thank you that you choose to partner in, with us in this process. And this morning, we commit ourselves afresh to that call you have placed upon our life. Uh, God, those this morning that are choosing to follow you for the first time, we celebrate with. We thank you that your word says the heavens are celebrating as someone is brought into your family. God, we pray right now that uh, these people would experience life to the full they would experience a life transformation and a love, a grace, a care from you that they've never experienced before. We commit these things to you today. Amen.